Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. You know, the message that you're about to hear, I pray not only just inspires you, but it encourages you to follow Jesus even more. In fact, I bet there are some people in your life right now who you're thinking of that you know would benefit from such a timely message. Man, share it with them. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, I encourage you, hit that subscribe button. Stay tapped into all that God is doing here at CF. And lastly, I wanna take this time right now to really thank those of you who support us. We wouldn't have any ministry outside of these four walls if it weren't for you, our friends, who come alongside us in prayer and support us financially. Listen, there are thousands who are benefited by this ministry because of your generosity. And we wanna simply say, thank you to continue or maybe to even start supporting our mission to help others and their families follow Jesus, you can very simply go to our website and visit cfmiami.org slash give. Church family, I hope you're blessed by this. Enjoy the sermon. Amen, come on, keep it going all campuses. And folks, I love that our team sang that song because it reminds us that we have a God who not only wants to bless us, but our children and our children's children and future generations. Come on, let them hear it. Amen. Hey, well, welcome to Christ Fellowship. Listen, it's a joy to worship with you. My name is Omar, and I have the great honor and privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at CF. And uh, it is amazing to, to see what God is doing through us and caring for Miami with the mobile, uh, new mobile food market, the dental unit. Can we praise God for what he's been doing? And folks, that's the fruit of last year's Christmas offering. It's amazing to see what God is doing through you. And today, as we start our Christmas series, we're gonna be looking at what God has for us in the future. And also, we're gonna be looking at our Christmas offering as well. And so listen, if you're a first-time guest here today, listen, it's not our typical weekend, but I'm glad that you're here so you can hear our heart and see where we're going as a church, all right? And so wherever you find yourself, let's open up our Bibles to Exodus chapter 25, and you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Listen to what God's Word says. And the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they may take for me a what, church? Oh. Yeah, a contribution for, from every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And let them make me a what, church? Sanctuary. Yeah, a sanctuary, a place of worship that I may dwell in their midst. In other words, God was leading the people of God to not only contribute so that they could worship, but so that their children and their children's children could worship as well. Amen? Amen? That is God's word. You can go into casino, everybody, at all campuses. And so, folks, let me start off by doing something today that normally I don't do, but I think it's so fitting for today, and that is by sharing the history of our church. You know, many of you may not know this, but we're not a young church. We're actually a very old church, over 100 years old. And so there is much to learn about our church history. And so can I do that for us today? Yeah? All right. So, so folks, travel back with me to the late 1800s. Because there was a lady by the name of Julia Tuttle. Maybe you've heard that last name before. 
And Julia Tata was a widow who moved down here to South Florida and had a huge piece of land in this area. And she wanted to see this land flourish and have people in it. So she reached out to a man by the name of Henry Flagler. We've all heard of, of, of the name Flagler. And Henry Flagler was a railroad tycoon who had built a railroad all the way up to Palm Beach and would build cities along the way. But he had said, I am going no further south than Palm Beach. So Julia Tuttle said, listen, if I give you a large piece of property, would you commit to, to continuing your railroad and establish a city? And so they came to a point where they agreed. And so at that juncture, Flagler was dreaming of a new city who would he, that would be called Miami. And he knew that if people were going to come to the city, they wanted a place to worship God. And so uh, he found a small group of believers and said, hey, if I, would tra if I transfer a piece of property uh, to you, would you start a church? And they said, of course. And so back in the day, what we see is that, in fact, we, by the way, we have the official records. If you, if you can go to the screens, we see that Julia Tuttle uh, gave the property, which is, by the way, the property of our downtown location. I forgot to mention that. For a dollar to that Fort Dallas land company, which was owned by Flagler. And then Flagler uh, transferred it to the trustees of, of my of First Baptist Church of Miami. That was our name back in the late 1800s. And for a consideration of one dollar. And so those are the official documents of where our church really began. And so at that juncture, the 16 believers who were gathered there in this, in this place came together with this donated land. And folks, they collected a special contribution to build a brand new chapel. And folks, in 1896, get this, a day before the city of Miami was established, our church opened up its doors there in, in, the, in downtown Miami. Pretty amazing, right? And folks, that was our first original building right there. And then, now, God saw the faithfulness of the people, the generosity of people, and, the, and God began to bless. Uh, which, by the way, it's still the oldest Baptist church in Miami. We are. Now, by 1926, all right, the congregation had grown so much that they wanted to build a bigger, better building. So in 1926, there was another special offering, and they went ahead and built a bigger structure, a concrete structure, which is now the building of our downtown campus. And so many of you have seen it. Yeah, it's going to be renovated. It's going to be open again next year. But that's the actual building. Now, during this time of growth, in 1917, our church wanted to plant a, a new church, and they wanted to planted to start it midpoint between Miami and this other city called Homestead far, far away. So they chose a place called Perrine, which is currently known as Palmetto Bay. Yeah. And so in 1917, they sent a young pastor by the name of J.B. Rogers to this area and to begin a church, uh, to begin the church in, in this area called Prine. And folks, I love the vision statement, the original vision statement of our church, which was 
to develop a church that would grow to be a powerful force for moral and spiritual good in the Perrine community. Amazing. And so folks, once, once they got here, one of the founding members donated a piece of property on US 1 and 170th. In fact, it's located right here. You're familiar with this area. It's really, it's where the current, currently there's an Infinity car dealership in, in, in US 1 170th. That place was originally where our church started. And so, so one of the founding members gave that property over to the church and then the other four members contributed a special offering to build the first building here in Palmetto Bay. And folks, that was the first building in Palmetto Bay back in the day. And folks, it was amazing. From that point on, they built that building not only for them, but for future generations to come. Amen? And so folks, for 25 years, the church began to grow little by little. But folks, the Great Depression at one point came, and the church was hit really hard financially to the point that the people just could not give. They could not even supply their own meals. They could not give to keep the doors open. So there was a man, one of our church members, by the name of J.W. Fowler, who, folks, every single Sunday would not only bring his tithe, but would bring an extra offering above the tithe in order to, to provide and keep the doors open. And folks, praise God that God moved in that man's heart to give generously to keep our doors open. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And folks, at that point, the church continued to grow and to moving forward. And uh, after, as they were recovering from the Great Depression in 1931, our church did not have any lights. They, we used to light at night with kerosene lamps. And so get this, the young adults of the church made a special contribution of $100 to install electricity in our church. And so folks, it was the young adults who contributed for us to have electricity for the very first time. Thank God for our young adult ministry, amen? And now every night, children and students come together to study God's word with light at night. And folks, after that, the church continued to develop. But folks, in 1945, you may not know this, but there was a really strong hurricane who passed, that passed through South Florida, and it literally destroyed everything in its path, including our church building. And folks, the next weekend after that, our church came together, the people of God, and again began to pick up the pieces together, and they said, you know what, we are committed this hurricane is not going to stop the movement of God. And so they contributed a special offering of $45,000, which was a tremendous amount at that time. And folks, they rebuilt that building in the more concrete building. And folks, the church continued to grow from that point. But folks, that year was also big because that was the first moment that when they rebuilt, they knew that so much was at stake for future generations. And so everyone in the church committed themselves to give the full tithe to the church. And folks, from that moment that the people of God started to tithe to the church, listen, the church began to explode. And folks, listen, it was, I believe it was not because of the money that the church began to explode, but listen, it's because when God saw 
the faithfulness of the people, the trust of the people that surrendered to the work of the gospel. God said, that is the church that I am going to put my gracious hand on it and begin to bless it. And from that point on, our church began to flourish like never before. Amazing, right? And so in 1960, as the church continued to grow, God called Pastor Tommy Watson to come and pastor our church. And he came in to the point that he continued that growth and we got to a point where our facilities were maxed out, remember, at the US 1 and 170th location. So at that juncture, there was a man by the name of Clyde Hinson who had a really big piece of property a little further in from US 1 and said, listen, if you all want, we can swap this land that I have inward in Palmetto Bay and to that land, so I'll take the smaller land on US 1 and you guys could take the bigger lot inside of Palmetto Bay. And so the church voted, they agreed, and so at that juncture, our church swapped properties with them, and now we move to the new location, new lot, which is our Palmetto Bay, the current Palmetto Bay location. And so when they got here, they knew that God had a vision for them. And so they came together, they made a special contribution again, and they built a two-story building with a 500-person auditorium with, for children and for everything. And, and folks, the church here at our Palmetto Bay campus began to move forward. And folks, God blessed it. Because we had a, a, an auditorium of 500, we had now 700 members in our church. And so the giving went from 30,000 in 1960 to 143,000 in 1966, and folks, the church was growing. Then, in 1970s, they realized that we need a place for future generations, for our children and the youth. And so they gave a special offering, and then they built a youth center, which is located right here. If you drive into the Balmetto Bay campus, you know. And that was a place where many of our, of our youth would come to gather at night, study God's word, and just have a great time. And so that was the youth building. So the church continued to grow, and then they knew that they wanted to also reach the lost families in our city. So the next year, 1973, they made a special offering again, and they established Christ Fellowship Academy. And yeah, and the first class was in, of, of, 50, in, in, um, of 57 students, and get this, since then, 50 years ago, we've seen 12,324 children go through CFA Academy. Now, shortly thereafter, in 1979, there was a need for a bigger worship center because we were growing so much. And so the church came together and gave another special contribution, special offering of $800,000, and that was to build a brand new 1,200-person auditorium. And that building is the building that right now I am standing in right now as you're watching from other campuses. And folks, it was a beautiful building. They were able to construct it. In fact, we have pictures of the inside as they were constructing it. And from there, people started coming and people started to, to worship and gather and the church continued to grow like never before. Amazing, right? Then 10 years later, we see that the church wanted to create adequate facilities for 
again, their future generations. They want to have a fellowship hall and Sunday school rooms and all these different things. And so they came together and uh, they contributed now $1 million for a brand new building. And that building is currently this building right here where you have our another worship venue, all of our small group rooms, all these different things. And that was built due in a special offering from the people back in, 19, um, in 1988. And so folks, at that juncture, the church continued to grow. But in 1992, as many of you recall, there was a hurricane that passed through South Florida called Hurricane Andrew. And they say that the eyes supposedly came down through 168. That's what they say. But folks, the devastation of our church was significant. In fact, the building that we're standing in right now was completely caved in. And it took $5 million to rebuild this entire facility. But folks, here's what I love about that. Because the Sunday right after Andrew, the people of this church, many of you that are still here with us, showed up to this church, pick up, picked up the pieces, and said, this storm is not going to stop the movement of God. And listen, not only, yeah, not only were we able to rebuild, but that, during that season, we were a beacon of light, and we served the Perrine First Baptist, uh, the, Christ, um, the Palmetto Bay community, like never before. And so then after that, we see that a few years later, the church continued to grow. We endured Andrew. And in 1996, God called a man by the name of Pastor Rick Blackwood to come pastor a church. And folks, God's hands was upon our church once again, and the church continued to expand. And so one of the things that Pastor Rick led us to, to understand is that if we were going to reach the next generation, we needed to renovate our children's area. And so in 2006, almost 20 years ago, many of you were part of this. The church collected $1.2 million to renovate all of our CFK's facilities. And since then, get this, 21,730 children have passed through the doors and heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 2009, we made another special contribution, and we wanted to start a nonprofit that could serve the under-resourced and hurting, so we started the infrastructure of, a, of caring for Miami. Today, we saw the fruit of the contributions of the people of God back in 2009. And then after that, the Lord continued to expand. And from that point on, we not only had the Palmetto Bay campus, but we began to have campuses all throughout Miami. In fact, we began in Homestead. We had the Homestead campus launch. Then we had the downtown merger with our mother church. So we became once, one, again, the same church. We had the West Kendall campus. We had the Redland campus. We had Coral Gables in 2012. We had Miami Springs in 2013. And then in 2020, the Miami Springs moved over and we started that Doral campus. Church, can we praise God for the history of our church. And folks, listen, do not miss this, because those key moments of generosity of the people of God then, listen carefully, paved the way for future generations. In other words, the sacrifice that were made in the past has enabled us to be here today 
to worship God with our children and our grand grandchildren. Can I get an amen to that? And folks, let me just bring our history over to the passage for today. Because folks, what a great reminder of the responsibility that we have today as a church. And by that I mean that just like God called past generations to give sacrificially so that we could worship today just like that. And here's the main idea as we open up God's word today. Listen, God still calls his people to give sacrificially again. Listen, not only so that we can worship today, so you and I could worship, but so that our children and our children's children and future generations could worship as well. You see, our sacrifice today will pave the way for future generations. Can I get an amen to that? And so you may be wondering, Omar, I did not know the beautiful history of our church, how God has moved in our church and, and worked in our church. And Omar, I want to be part of that legacy. I wanted to be able to continue the great work that God is doing in our church. So Omar, what do we need to know as we move forward? What do we need to know in order to continue the great legacy of our church and do so in a God-honoring way? Well, folks, we're going to find out today from Exodus 25 in the first place that we see God make, the people of God give a contribution, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 25. And today, folks, I have three important thoughts for us about what we need to know as we look to the future, all right? So write this down as point number one, and that is this, that the Lord calls his people to contribute for a place of worship. Now, folks, listen to what God's word says in Exodus 25. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they may take for me a what? A contribution from every man whose heart moves them. You shall receive a contribution for me. And let them make me a sanctuary, a place of worship, that I may dwell in their midst. And folks, stop right there and slip into the scene. Because as the people of Israel, right, entered into this journey towards a promised land, they did not have a formal place of worship. And so midpoint, at that juncture, God commanded the people to make a place where that they would worship God. And that place was called the tabernacle. Now the tabernacle, if you, if you, if you see behind me, the tabernacle was a place located in the middle of the camp of Israel where every man, woman, and child could come together as a family to come and worship and honor the Lord. And folks, here's what's important to note about this, the, the building, the making of the tabernacle. That up to this point, God never asked the people to do or contribute anything. It's interesting, when they escaped Egypt through the plagues, it was all God. As they parted the Red Sea, it was all God. As they got into the wilderness, God, God provided the water, God provided the food, God provided the manna, the meat, everything was provided by God. However, when it came to the building of the place of, a wor of worship, he breaks that pattern. And now God does something very, very interesting. He asked the people to contribute 
where they would gather to worship him. Now the question is, why would God ask the people to contribute for the place where they would worship him? I mean, you would think that God had all the power to overnight, when everyone was sleeping, provide everything and construct the tabernacle himself so that they would have a place of worship. He could have done that, but he doesn't do that. Instead, he does something different. He says, now I want you to contribute for the place where you will worship me. Now, why would God do that? Well, first of all, every time that we give to the Lord, it's an act and a, and a way of showing that he is our all-sufficient provider. It's a way of honoring the Lord. And so it, it, we give to the Lord as a sign that we, real, that we trust him as our provider. But second of all, I believe it's because God knew that if they did not contribute, their hearts would not be in that place. You see, if God would have just done it, then they would have just kind of looked at this tabernacle like just another thing. But the fact that they contributed and their treasure was there, then their hearts would be there also. That is why Jesus said in Matthew 6, for where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart will be also. You want to know where your heart's at? Look where you send your treasure. Wherever you send your money, wherever you whatever you do, your heart will follow wherever your money goes. And so the Lord said, listen, the Lord said, he knew that for them to treasure that building, that place, he wanted them to have a part in constructing this place. And folks, here is how God led them to give. Write this down as letter A. First of all, is to contribute out of the wealth that God himself gave them. Now listen to what it says next. It says, and this contribution that you shall receive from them, gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tan ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for the setting, for the ephod and for the breastplate piece. And then it says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Now, the question that some of you may be having is this, is how do these people have all of this treasure? They were just slaves in Egypt. How do they get all this treasure, all the gold and silver, bronze, all these different things? Well, listen, it's because before God left, before they left Egypt, God told the people of God to ask the people of Egypt to give them their treasure. In fact, listen to what it says in Exodus 12. It says, and the Lord had given the people, what church? Favor, Favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus, they what? Plundered. They plundered. They plundered the Egyptians. So notice, all the wealth that they had there as they were traveling, listen carefully, it was given to them by God because God put in the heart of the Egyptians favor towards the people of Israel and fear in their hearts, and the people of Egypt gave them all of their treasure. So all the stuff that they had as they were traveling was originally given to them by God 
himself. And listen, the same thing is with us today. Nothing changes. Because when the Lord calls his people to contribute an offering, listen, it's all from what God already gave us. Listen, in if you think about it, everything that we have comes from the gracious hand of God. Some of us need to be reminded that you and I, listen, we don't own anything. Do you understand that everything you have, listen, we are entrusted, we're simply stewards of what God has given to us. Listen, for some he's given more, to some he's given a little less, but make no mistake about it. What we have as a people of God is not ours, it's God himself, and we are simply stewards, temporary stewards of what God so graciously entrusted to us by providing for us. Amen? Amen. Folks, that's why God's word reminds us in Deuteronomy 8, beware, child of God, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he and only he that gives you the power to get wealth. Amen. And so listen, listen carefully. We need to be reminded today that everything we have comes from God. Listen, we cannot even get up in the morning and open up our eyes unless the Lord allows you to. Amen. And listen, when you go to work and you start, you do business, let me tell you something. Everything that happens in your life is because God is behind it providing for you. Where do you think all that business comes from? Where do you think that new client comes from? Listen, God sovereignly moves in the hearts of people to provide for you every day. So child of God, remind yourself today, it is God himself who gives us the power to get wealth and we are simply stewards good stewards of what God has entrusted to us today. Can we praise God for that today? And so the Lord saying, listen, out of everything I've given to you, now give for a place of worship. But folks, here's the way that God wanted them to give the special offering to the tabernacle. Write this down as big number two. God wants his people to give the offering willingly and joyfully. In fact, listen carefully to what the Lord said. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they may take a contribution from every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. So notice, when it came to this special offering, the Lord said, listen, he was not commanding it. What he was saying, what he was not commanding, what he was just saying, listen, I want you to contribute out of this because of your love and devotion for me. Now, whenever we talk about honoring God with our giving, it's important to remember that there's a difference between what we call, what God's word calls a tithe and the offering. And so for those of us who are not clear, let me help us understand the difference between those two things. First of all, write this down as letter A. The tithe is commanded to sustain ministry. You see, folks, throughout the history of God's people, we see that there is a pattern 
where God gives us everything we have, and out of everything we have, we give back 10%. That's what the word tithe is. So we, God gives us everything, we give back 10%. God gives us more, we give 10%, and that's part of our relationship with God. We, and we saw that this started even before the law started. So for example, Abraham gave a tithe, Jacob gave a tithe, and so on. However, once a formal place of worship was established, then God commanded to use the tithe for the sustaining of the place of worship. In fact, listen to what God commanded in Leviticus 27. He says, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, and every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be what, church? Holy to the Lord, and it shall be set aside for the Lord. And you see, from the beginning, God did not call his people to give equal amounts. God called his people to give sacrificially equally. Does that make sense? And so when God looks at our giving, God does not look at the dollar amount. He looks at the sacrifice behind the dollar amount. And so the tithe was used to sustain the ministry at the tabernacle and eventually the temple and so forth. And folks, since then, for thousands of years, really the tithe of the people has been used to sustain the work of the church. In fact, going back to my original timeline production, if you can put the original timeline back on, so, for example, if we can zoom in just a little closer, please. If you all see, right, we see that we covered earlier how at key moments of our church, we did a special offering, right? And those are represented by those vertical green lines, right? Those are key moments in our church's history. But folks, notice what's between those little green lines. What? It's horizontal, what? The, the red lines. And you know what that, those horizontal red lines between every special offering is? It is the tithes of the people of God week in and week out. You see, it is the faithful tithes of the people of God that since the beginning of our church have ensured that not only we would continue to love and serve our city, but that, listen, it would pave the way for future generations. Amen. In fact, imagine Imagine if one of Joe's generations stopped being faithful and honoring the Lord with their tithe. Listen, our church would have closed down its doors. But praise God that we are in the line of faithful men and women of God who've given faithfully so that you and I could be here today. And listen, I want to help you understand that every week when you and I, when we all come together and we give our tithes to the Lord, listen carefully. You're just not giving in order to sustain ministry today. But every time that we give, we are ensuring that the long legacy of ministry here at our church continues from generation to generation. Can we praise God today for that? And so our the tithe is not only important for us to be in right relationship with God and be able to, to, to sustain ministry, the work of God. However, though, offerings are different. In fact, write this down as letter B. Offerings now are not commanded by God, but offerings are freely given for special projects or to expand the ministry. 
See, folks, this passage here in Exodus is the first time in the history of God's people where we see a special offering being collected, which is a reminder that offerings or special offerings are not a new thing in the church. For example, some people think, oh, there's something that church leaders came up with decades ago to raise money. Listen carefully. The people of God have been giving offerings since the beginning of our existence. Amen? And folks, listen, if you see our church, we were propelled to new seasons of ministry every time the people of God gave a special offering. Now, I want to take the time to address something because I think it's important for the life of our church. Because in those moments that the Lord leads his people to a special offering, a special call, something in specific, the response of the people of God should always be one of eagerness. Amen? Yes. Eagerness. In fact, if you're here, by the way, if you're here for the first time, or you just started just coming to church, and you're just checking this out, listen carefully, man, I'm glad you're here. This is not for you. However, if you are a believer in Christ, if you've been saved from your sin, if your eternal future is secure, if you know what Christ has done for you, if you're part of this church, right, where that, uh, of everything you've seen, the history of our church and, and all, and whenever we talk about a moment of offering, if you get to a point where you feel upset or you feel uh, turned off whenever we talk about money of any way, in any way, form, or way shape, or form, then listen, I would challenge you to check your heart. I would have you check your heart because ask yourself this question, why am I so defensive about this? Could it be that money is gripping your heart way more than you care to admit? And somewhere along the line, you've began to idolize money and you think that you're your own provider and that God's not your provider. Because if you are part of a church, whether you go to another church or you're part of this church, and the church is doing good gospel work, and you see that the church is handling the finances in a responsible way, then listen, every time that the Lord leads his people to do something, we should respond with eagerness and joy. Can I get an amen to that? And so listen, as long as a church you're part of, is doing good gospel work, is doing things with integrity, then listen, the people of God should always be eager to sow. Where is God leading us next, amen? And folks, the perfect example is the people of this passage. In fact, listen to the people, of, what it says about the people of Israel. It says, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all of its service. So they came, both men and women, and all who were of a what? Of a willing heart. You see, at that juncture, the people of God came together, men, women, and children, and they began to contribute for a place of worship. And folks, here's the most amazing thing about the contribution of those men and women at that juncture. In fact, write this down as big number three. 
that God's people contribute today so that future generations can worship tomorrow. Listen, the truth of the matter is that what those people contributed to start that place of worship, if you really think about it, it was not for them. Listen, many of those people just had a few more decades of life left, and they were gone. But if you think about it, the ones they were contributing for was not so much for them, but it was so that their children and their children's children and future generations could worship. Because you know what? That tabernacle that they built, guess what? It was used for 440 years until King David decided to build a temple, a formal temple for the people of God. And so what they contributed was more for their future generation. And folks, just the same thing is with us. Listen, when we contribute to the work of Christ, let me tell you something. Some of us are later on in our life, we don't have much time left. We have a few more decades to go, and then we'll be with the Lord. Listen carefully. Today we are reminded that we have a responsibility, that when we give, it's not only so that you and I could worship, for the future generations can worship as well. And so today, listen, I want to bring to you the Christmas offering for this year, and it's all geared for, it's all geared for the future generations. In fact, take a look at our formal video. Well, hey, Christ Fellowship family. You know, this Christmas season, we have a very special Christmas offering that we've called For Our Children. And the reason it's called For Our Children is because everything we collect as a church family is gonna go for our children. And the first portion of this Christmas offering is gonna be for our children locally. You see, the reality is that the last time that we did major renovations to our CF Kids facilities was back in 2006. And so it is time for us to get together again and renovate our facilities for the next generation. At the Palmetto Bay campus, we're gonna be renovating every single one of our rooms with new floors, new cabinets, fresh paint, and a bunch of different things. At the Reland campus, similar renovations are gonna take place in every single room. At the West Kendall campus, we are going to also refreshen and renovate a lot of the rooms that have become outdated throughout the years. And part of that is also going to go to the downtown campus to help finish off the CF Kids Ministries at that location. The second portion of our Christmas offering is gonna go for our children globally. You know, as many of you know, we have global campuses all throughout Latin America and the Caribbean. However, in starting these churches, we have not been able to really address CF Kids the way that we want to. And so the reality is that many of these global campuses, their kids' areas are in dire condition. And so part of this money is gonna to go to all these different global campuses to begin to restoring and renovating all these different places so that our children globally could worship just like our children locally. And last but not least, the third portion of our Christmas offering is gonna to go towards Christ Fellowship Academy. And folks, I don't have to tell you that with the moral state of our society, there's so many families that are looking for not only a great education, but more importantly, a Christ-centered education. And family, that's exactly what Christ Fellowship Academy does. And we've seen so many different people, so many families come to church and come to know Christ as Savior because of Christ Fellowship Academy. 
And so the first portion of the Christmas offering towards CFA will go to expanding into a middle school at the Palmetto Bay campus. So we're looking for next year to maybe start a sixth grade in order to start building up our middle school. And then the other portion of it would go to start the infrastructure at our local campuses such as West Kendall, our downtown campus, the Doral campus, and even perhaps our Redland campus. And so church, this Christmas offering is gonna culminate on the weekend of December 24th, when our entire church is gonna come together and present to the Lord our Christmas offering. And so I wanna encourage you individually and as a family to start praying and asking God, God, what is it that you want me to give to this offering? So that our children could have a place of worship and we can set up the next generation for gospel ministry, all right? Well, Christ Fellowship, I'm proud of you. Let's rise up together and give generously for our children. Amen. Amen, and so listen, I am so excited about this Christmas offering because listen, I am a product of what faithful men and women sacrifice in past generations to lead children to Christ. You know, many of you may not know this, but I didn't, I didn't come to know Christ at a church per se. I came to know Christ in a small private Christian school uh, where, I, where my mom put me when I was a little boy. And I remember one, uh, one Friday during a chapel service, the pastor there gave an invitation and I raised my little hand and I gave my life to my Lord. And folks, from that moment on, I came to know Christ at a school. And from that moment on, I, every Sunday, I would go to church and I would grow in my knowledge and my devotion to the Lord. And so we know that, listen, many, that's, that's not only my story. Listen, that's a story of many of you out there as well. And so I want to encourage you, start praying and thinking, what does the Lord want me, to, me and my family to give during this time? And, uh, and, and the reality is, is that you can, if, if, you, if you would like more information uh, about this, it's all going to culminate on December 24th. You can start giving today towards the Christmas offering, but it's going to culminate at that juncture. For more information, you can always go to CF Miami. Uh, if you could put the, the wider shot, if you don't mind, cfmiami.org slash for our children. And if we can get the wider shot if possible, there you go. Uh, for our children, that is the website at all campuses that you can see. And, um, and you can go to the website, you can find more information. And then again, you can, we're, we're all gonna be giving all these weeks until December 24th, okay? And by the way, on the way out, you're gonna receive a little flyer at all campuses. Guest services will be handing them out, which is a flyer that has all the information about our Christmas offering and all the numbers associated with it so you can review it and start praying. But let me end with this by reading this because there's, there's something very powerful about this passage in the book of Exodus. In fact, listen to what happens once the people of God began to give. Listen to what it says. It says, And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing, for doing the sanctuary. And they still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing or the, for the material they had, they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Folks, what an amazing thing would be if the people of God today rose up just like the people of Israel and gave to the fact that we said, hey, we're good. We're able to do what the Lord is calling us to do, all right? And so here's what we're gonna do. 
before we end, I want to ask all of, at all of our campus to stand up. I want to, we're going to sing that song again that we sang beforehand. And I'm going to pray for our children today. And then we're going to pray that God will lead us to do what he's calling us to do, right? Pray, so pray this with me at all campuses, and then we'll worship. Father, we come before you, O oh God, and we are thankful, God, that people in the past have sacrificed so that we could worship today, O oh Lord. And Father, our prayer right now is for our future generations. Father, I pray that you would move in our hearts to move and give generously so that we can set up the future generation so that all those children and children of children, Lord, that they, when they come to our church, that they could worship God and know God and love you, O Lord, just like we love you and know you today. And so, Father, we pray for a blessing over our children and our future children from generation to generation. And may you be glorified in all that we say and do. God, we love you and we thank you. And in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people say, amen. All right, family, let's go ahead and worship together.